I wasn't allowed to go to school. I wasn't allowed to date. I wasn't allowed friends. I wasn't allowed outside. She monitored my emails. She would Google search my name every day. Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Sanagato. I'm Greg Dybeck. We just want to give a quick shout out to our patrons who are supporting the show at patreon.com slash OPL show. If you do sign up, you get bonus episodes and follow-up episodes from our previous guests. Yes, big shout out to all the patrons out there. And we've got today's guest on the line. And uh, I just want to say, you know, we understand this is obviously a, a deeply personal, obviously traumatic experience that you'll be sharing today. So before anything, you know, just thank you, obviously, for your courage coming on. And just th- thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So I want to start off a little differently. I think uh, it's important to give a little context to what we'll be talking about today. And when you emailed the show, you compared your story to one that has gotten a lot of media attention. A lot of people might might know. I think there's a documentary on it. Uh, and I think it's a, a good way to put your story in context kind of before we hear the details. So you likened it to the case of Gypsy Blanchard and her mother. Uh, and the extremely abridged version of that case was that Gypsy's mother basically uh, took any chance of normal life away from her daughter, I'd say, by claiming that her daughter had all these medical issues, that she couldn't walk, um, that she had cancer. She basically exerted total control over her daughter's life through lies, manipulation, um, physical beatings and abuse, constant monitor- monitoring, uh, and of course, just telling her that you know she was sick with, with this, these severe illnesses. And experts believe that Gypsy's mother suffered from Munchausen syndrome by proxy. So that's where the caregiver kind of makes up illnesses uh, as a form of abuse to control the person that they're caring for. And uh, in Gypsy's case, of course, it became popular because she ended up killing her mother, I guess, seeing that as her only way out. Um, but that's a case that's out there that, you know, people can um, look up if, if they kind of want even more context there. But from what we understand, uh, and the reason that we're talking with you today is that you have similar experiences with your own mother and in your own childhood. So can you start off by describing when you first began to realize that your mother was basically attempting to fully take control of your life? Uh, and as you put it in your email, beginning to make you a prisoner in a sense? Absolutely. Um, so I didn't realize it at first, and this is something that you learn a lot in therapy, that you can start noticing the signs quite early. And because uh, someone can be so manipulative, you don't make that connection right away. So looking back on it now, I can see that this started when I was a little kid. It, I was growing up as an only child, so I had no dad, just me and my mom. And my mom started off with simple phrases she would use about how we have to stick together. Um, a lot of my family I never got to see, and it was kind of as a, her is the best person and no one else is like her. She tried putting into my head at such an early age that, you know, all men are wrong, all men are horrible people, you'll never find a man you can trust, you can never find a man who will love you for you, nothing like that. But during this time, my mom was being monitored by CPS, and I believe had investigated her two or three times, so I had some freedom 
I was able to go to school. I was able to have friend. I never had any sort of sleepovers or anything, but I, I was allowed to go outside. Um, when I realized that it was really happening and that I was losing all freedom was after my car accident. And when taking care of me was not even her priority, basically. What do you mean by that? Um, so with my car accident, I was hit by a car. So I was disabled from my legs, my lower back, and some other injuries. And it was something that needed, some of it needed to be watched long term and some of it needed short term care. At first, average, she was acting like the average mother, you know, taking me to the hospital right away, took me to the doctors to get a cast or get x-rays but then when she realized that I was growing up and it was getting close to me going to high school as well as the fact that there was a chance for her to have a financial gain she stopped caring about me getting better everything was more about her protecting what could be instead of helping me right now how was she kind of you know going about that because you're saying like you know you clearly had injuries or whatnot was she just not paying attention to you was she purposefully not taking you to doctor appointments what was she doing specifically oh it was a whole bunch so um first was the fact that i would need a wheelchair because i had a cast up to my thigh and it was fully plastered the thing weighed at least 30 pounds it was impossible to lift by myself in my weakened condition and so I tried to do crutches um my nurse wanted to teach me how to use crutches she took them away from my nurse she started having my nurse doing daily chores instead of helping me when it came to get a wheelchair primarily if a wheelchair wouldn't fix in your house and you cared about your kid you'd get your kid a average wheelchair and then you'd help them outside into the wheelchair she didn't want that. She wanted a wheelchair that only she could push. So I would have no way of getting anywhere without her. From there, it went to uh, waiting longer and longer between taking me to the doctors. It, at the physio, I was required to go to physio due to a law case. But whenever she took me to physio, she would not want them pushing me. But it was never me saying, oh, I'm being pushed or I don't want to do this thing. It was always her speaking out for me. I wasn't allowed to talk to any doctors by myself. I wasn't allowed to basically talk to anyone by myself. Even at 16, 17, 18, when it came to my medical care, it was always her talking and me having to be quiet. So these are, these are obviously severe injuries, and it sounds like things that might require rehab to get better. So... In a sense, she's just intentionally not letting you heal properly. Correct. Yeah, wow. she. Um, I I was told by the doctors the first time, or sorry, the second time, that my bone healed at an 18 degree angle, and the only way I would know is if I need another surgery again, is if I went to physio, went to physio, and walked, and to see how that would affect my leg. After that, she never took me to physio and never took me to another doctor. 
Were you aware at the time when this was all happening that this was happening to you or did it seem sort of normal or do you have to now look back and realize like what she was doing? Um, at, at first it seemed somewhat normal just because I was so used to her being overprotective, especially like at, at first when it would be doctors, um, being you know having no bedside manner so they would be a little aggressive or or physiotherapists would wouldn't care too much that i'm in pain it's more part about getting past that pain and working towards building your muscle and at first though i i kind of understood it but then when i started noticing that this was not just controlling my moments there but controlling my entire life that it was getting really scary especially when ever I'd question it, that's when her anger and controlling and manipulation would come out. How old were you at this point? Um, it started when I was about 14 and then got worse in 2012. So I was 18, I believe. What happened at that point? Um, so my law case was... There was a lot of stuff we had to do because of my law case. So this was stuff that my mom couldn't stop us from doing. So I had to go to physios for checkups. I had to go to doctor's appointments. And once the law case was over and there was no one watching me, that's when she had she got full control. That's when everything just anything involving my care just stopped. Hmm. So no no more doctors, nothing, just whatever point you were at is where it stopped in, in rehab or any recovery? Correct. I had, I through um, therapy with the, the therapy I had to do because of my case, I had a wonderful water, th water therapist who wanted to help me after I, there was two physio clinics that I used to go to that I'd have to go to that I wanted to return to. There was a massage therapist. There was all these great people that I wanted to see and so many options and it just it was stopped and it was if after that it was just became oh it's too expensive so during this time where she is now clearly she's decided that she's not going to get you any care um what is home life like like did you notice that she became because you use the word prisoner in your email so i'm wondering like what you really meant by that was it a change in her demeanor was she like meaner was she you know, I know in some cases with Munchausen's, they, they don't feed their child or they don't. Was there anything sort of like that? Or should, did she just kind of want you at home at all times? Oh, um, with the uh, progression of her keeping me inside and all the strict rules was also the progression of her anger and her manipulation and the abuse. So... When the eyes stopped watching and people started stopped paying attention or didn't care anymore just because of legal reasons, um, and I started questioning, you know, why why can't I go to physio? Why can't I have crutches? Why can't I go to school? That's when the stricter she got, the more angry she got, the more manipulative she got, and everything was basically I was stuck inside I wasn't allowed to go to school I wasn't allowed to date I wasn't allowed friends I wasn't allowed outside she monitored my emails she would google search my name every day she would look um to make sure I don't have any secret accounts she 
Sorry. Um, so that's when she started being physically and mentally and verbally abusive, as well as, as, well as financial. And then, um, yeah, there were there were moments where I wasn't really allowed to eat, or it was basically just given the worst thing possible you could imagine. Uh, was it just you and your mother at this point? Was is there a father in the picture or any siblings? No, I ha- I never I was born as an only child and I didn't have a dad. So you also mentioned that when you would speak up or you would kind of talk back or stand up for yourself that sh- that's when she would get angry. So, you know, what how did that conversation go? Like, when did you start to realize, like, what you're doing is is not right? And when you speak up, like, what kind of things would she say or how would she explain herself? So I started speaking up within the first two years of the legal case because after this point, it was basically my leg was healed as well as it could be and physio was trying to get me walking, but my mom was not letting me. So at this, at this point, that's when I started noticing it and started questioning it. And at first, it sort of made sense. It was basically her just trying to play it off as being protective, trying to play it off as, oh, we need to stick through this together. We need to be careful and cover our butts because of this law case. We need to make sure you're not forced to do anything that will make you look bad. And that stuff made sense. But then when those cases and everything was over she had no ground for making sense with this stuff she was grasping at straws so but she'd still try to manipulate me because she wanted to say she had everything under the book she wanted to have feet issues she wanted to have back issues she tried to blame me for it um she would say i'm being selfish because we have to take care of her first I'm being selfish because she doesn't have a job. I'm being selfish because she is taking care of me. I'm all just so much stuff that made no sense, but she kept trying against me anyway. And at this point, uh, would you say really any semblance of a normal life you did not have at that time? You mentioned no school, no friends. Uh, were you, you were cut off from the outside world at this point. I had, the only friend I had for a bit was um, a girl through Big Brothers and Big Sisters. And this hurt even as well, finding this out, was she she did try to see me for a while and my mom would allow it because she knew her. But after a while she stopped coming around and it's because she knew I was being abused but she couldn't do anything about it. So she basically abandoned me. So come t- that time when the legal case was over i had lost my only friend and the only semblance of the outside world the only connection i had to the outside world so at that point it was just total prison-like life yeah and and that's you know it's it, it is scary to hear because of that i guess feeling of true loneliness or or to have no connection or no outlet um, did, I just want to understand, I guess, your, your mom's psychology a little bit more from, you know, how you see it. And was there any justification for any of this that made sense? Or was it just pure 
manipulation lies to serve herself and and you know from your perspective at that time what what was the point did she just want to protect you from the world or did she was it just a sense of total control over everything your being and your body like was there i don't know any any justification that she made for all of this or or nothing but just excuses she she tried to justify some of it um we grew up poor my mom my mom was on welfare so seeing any money at all was this big thing for her um so i so at first it seemed as if she had my future and in her um her thoughts but it just became more and more obvious it was all selfish and self-centered like we would step into a lawyer's office and her first question would be how much money am i getting out of this and my lawyer would just look at her flabbergasted being like you're not entitled to anything yes you took care of her but that's a mother's job you didn't even have a job beforehand so there's no reason why you'd get anything so later on she tried to play it off as oh this money could help us get a house this this money could help me fix my teeth this money could help me and it was all just basically her just all her was she like that for as long as you've known her or was there you know at the time of the accident it just kind of like a switch flipped and now this was this new person um it a bit of both it it it, i definitely it definitely gave her the ability to do such horrible things it it definitely probably the money was definitely probably part of it but i think in a way she was almost always like that and it just progressed because um in i don't know what it's like in america but in canada there's a child tax benefit so if you're on welfare basically you get more money until your kid's a certain age and even at that point that once that money stops at your at that your certain age i wasn't even allowed to celebrate the fact it was my birthday because i was being considered selfish because she's losing this money and she's all depressed about it but i was just happy to be turning my certain age at that point right now during this i mean psychologically the the toll that this would take on anyone were there moments where the kind of manipulation in in the form of guilt was effective and and did you feel guilty for certain things and did you believe what she was saying or were you just sort of building up a a resentment toward her you know knowing that everything she was saying was a lie that that's the messed up bit about it too is just her manipulation and just the want to have like a parent because that was the person you grew up with and the only person you ever knew it was so hard to run away and i'm torn about it even nowadays that i wish i lived like lived so much sooner i know in my heart it would have been impossible to leave sooner but i am so angry and just hurt and upset by how many years and experiences i've lost so i wish so much that i could have left earlier but also back then it was the hardest decision i ever had to make because i was 
so scared of this woman being homeless because of me or getting in trouble because of me. There were so many times I wanted to call the cops, but because she's the only person I knew, I didn't want her to get in trouble, even though countless therapists and people who know me have said if she had, it would have deserved it. So the day that you decided to leave, was there anything in particular that, you know, was the last straw and you were like, okay, I'm leaving. And and what was that experience like when you actually did end up leaving? Um, so at this point, when I decided to leave, it, it was something I was struggling with for at least a year and a half. And I had this thought in my head that there's no way people could have ever heard the fact that I was being abused and never did anything about it because as I said my mom did physical verbal mental you name it and this one day I I asked her about using my crutches and she got really pissed off and was calling me selfish and disgusting and that I should be ashamed of myself and punched me in the face and really hurt my jaw and my tooth and it it reminded me that there's just no changing her because I had hoped for so long that she would change like just one more year one more year she can't be like this forever I said that from 21 to 23 just one more year she's something's got to change and I, at one point, I even went to her, I don't know what I was thinking, but I thought there's no way she couldn't do something to her daughter who's clearly crying. And at the time, I had a secret online boyfriend that I worked really hard to keep secret, and the relationship didn't work out because of my limitations. And I was just so heartbroken, and I went up to her, and I told her everything and the look on her face I was so hoping for like you know just a consoling mother face being like it's okay I understand but instead it was just pure fury and anger and she dropped everything and caught my face and squeezed my shoulders and my arms and shook me and just called me disgusting things and gave me a black eye and busted my lip and tried to break my only connection to the outside world, my laptop and my phone. And I knew, I knew then that she's just not a mother. So I I had to lie to her just so she would stop. I had to tell her, oh, it was a joke. Like, I didn't mean anything like that. I didn't mean I was dating someone. I meant like I lost a friend just for her to stop. So, when she did it again, I I realized that she wasn't ever going to change. And we were going out that day because she liked to use the fact that there's services provided for people who are disabled where you could get bus rides. So, she would use the fact that I could get a bus ride to go places and she wanted to go to the movie theater. So, after she was done yelling and hitting me, she basically told me to get in the wheelchair 
and we were getting ready to leave and I saw the neighbors outside and they were laughing. And they basically looked at me, laughed and said, kids, you can never control them, can you? And that's when I realized that my neighbor had heard I was being abused all those years and did nothing about it and just thought it was funny. And I told my boyfriend and he was just done. He was totally done. He knew it would be too risky because I would have died if I stayed there much longer. If she hadn't done it, I would have because I was at that point where I just wanted to die. So... He basically told me that, like, I needed to get out that night or he would be coming because he lived far away. So I concocted a plan with my friends so I could get away that very night because there was no way I was going to be able to survive or see a change in her. So how did you ultimately end up leaving? What, What was the plan that you put together and how did you get out? So... My friend at the time had a car, and I had, for years, I had all these secret accounts online with fake names just so I could have some semblance of a social life, and I I messaged my friend, and I basically told them, like, this is it. Don't let me change my mind. I need to get out. This is not safe for me anymore. The police aren't going to do anything. I've seen they they came here before because they were they investigated once, um, thanks to someone else, and the the police basically just saw me lying on the couch covered in bruises, and they were like, "Oh, she's above sixteen. If she wants to leave, she can. If she wants to," and they didn't interview me by myself, so I had no choice but to just lie there and listen to them. So I knew they weren't going to do anything. So I told my friend to come at midnight. And we basically filled up their car with the few things we could grab. I grabbed my service dog and we snuck out of the back door in my room to the car and leave. I can't imagine that feeling at leaving and just the mixed emotions of that. When, when you did end up leaving, uh, where did you go? I went to my friend's house. And, you know, how long ago was this? Uh, this would be, let me check, roughly four years and two months. Did she ever come after you or did, did you ever? Yeah, did you guys ever speak? Um, so my mom was very much the, the type to stay in bed all day and just have me do things um so at the time my heart my dog had a heart condition so she wouldn't wake up early it was always my job to wake up early and give my dog um her heart medication and she oddly enough i don't know how but she didn't hear me leave so she was texting like emailing my phone in that morning asking me um if i fed the dog yet And at that point, I was having a panic going, oh my god, she doesn't know I'm gone yet. And then freaked. She contacted a relative that I don't have connections to or haven't had connections to since I was a little kid due to other issues. They contacted the police. Um, She was trying to figure out where I was. Thankfully, I was 
cities and hours away because my friend lived far enough away for me to feel safe there. And the police contacted me and basically asked if I was safe, uh, saying I don't need to speak to her if I don't want to, um, just asking if I'm okay, basically. And I responded with yes, don't want to speak to her ever again. And uh, thankfully has not found me. She's She found out what city I live in, which is horrifying. She's posted on Facebook and she stalks my accounts constantly. So I've had to block over four or five different Facebooks, multiple email accounts, multiple Instagrams, a Twitch account, so much stuff. She's so you, oh, sorry. you don't really, I was going to say, you don't really have a, any desire to reconnect with her or speak with her ever again. I tried a part, like everyone, basically my boyfriend and his entire family know everything by now. And they, they've seen like text messages that happen. They've seen the photos, they've seen videos and everyone does not want me ever seeing her again. Like, there's no way that would even be safe in their eyes. And I, I tried to have a connection with her, but it was it, it was just constant, like, humiliation and um, trying to be abusive, even in emails and manipulative. She... She's absolutely scary in some ways in that. Yeah. So, wow. So that was over four years ago, you said? Yep. And ever since. What was what were the past four years like? Or, or even just that first year away? I mean, essentially, you went from being completely alone all the time with limited connection to the outside world no schooling i can almost almost imagine you know to to use the idea of a prisoner it, almost like leaving prison and and time has passed that you kind of have to reassimilate into a world that you know maybe you don't even quite understand um you know not not to be super dramatic about it but you know it, was it a kind of shock and a big change for you oh oh yeah it was it's definitely it's huge culture shock even even now i'm still learning new things and trying to get used to things like being when I moved out I was 23 and I had basically little to no ID I've never even had a sin number so at, there was no relaxing at first it was all about just one making sure I was safe that no one would come after me and then starting from ground zero basically um I'm, it's something i'm still working on to this day uh it was amazing though like i can't even describe how amazing the fresh air felt on my face i was living i was so thankful to be living at my friend's house and his, his mom and i had issues but um even to just be outside, like, they had a hard time bringing me back in, basically. I was getting drives around anywhere. I was spending hours and just sitting in the sunlight in the park. We would walk everywhere. Like, I hadn't walked in 10 years, and they had to get me a pair of crutches because we had to leave my wheelchair behind. 
But I I completely ignored the pain for three days and just went everywhere I could imagine. It was amazing. Yeah, just the simple freedoms of just walking outside. And, And that really puts it in perspective, you know, hearing that where, you know, for us to just have the freedom to walk outside, get some sunlight on our face, get some fresh air, drive wherever we want, see whoever we want, text or call whoever we want, when we want, you know, to be denied that for so long, that that shock, yeah, it must have been hard, but, you know, also incredible, like you said, to be able to experience those things, you know, on your own terms. Yeah, I was I was telling my boyfriend even just yesterday, especially because COVID brought a lot of that back, um, the feeling of being locked inside because I have a weak immune system. So I had to spend, I've been inside basically since March. So I, I was telling him just yesterday, this brings a lot back and just reminds me of how nice it is to go outside because I had, I've always had such anxiety about doing anything and having someone scream and yell and get angry at me about it. Because I've been diagnosed with PTSD, anxiety, and depression. So just going outside and not having to worry about someone wondering where I am or going to yell at me when they see me again has been amazing. Do you think that now that you're four years sort of removed from that situation that, of course you know, there is still therapy and you're always going to be working on it. It's a traumatic thing that happened. But do you feel like you have found some sort of peace in your life? Yeah, um, definitely. It's always a hard thing to think about because there is a lot of constant reminders and just issues I deal with daily because of what she did. Even just this year alone, I, I finished what was, or close to finish, what was a nine-month-long journey just basically fixing my teeth because I wasn't even able to brush my teeth in the room that I was locked in. There was no sink or, or water brought to me for that. So I had so many fillings and cavities. And so that was in itself a journey of constant memory, but also growth. So... There's always these reminders, especially when you have PTSD, but it's been so nice to discover things and actually find out who I am in a person. And I found peace in that because I used to look in the mirror and see her looking back at me and think this is my future or everything she said is right. But then I've discovered things like I like walking in the beach or... I found a new craft I like, or I actually got to adventure in a passion of mine and actually enjoy life. So I've found there's been lots of benefits and things that have brought me peace in a way. Absolutely. Uh, I want to ask too, do you ever plan on having a family one day? Um, hopefully. I'm not too sure about having kids. I it's something that I've spoken with my therapist about and it it's definitely something that could be done that I'd want to go through immense therapy first. But for now, I'm just enjoying having my own life and uh, having my fur babies. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, no pressure. Same. I hate when people pressure me about kids too. <laughs> happens a lot. Um, <laughs> but wow. I, I want to say, I wanted to get up and 
cheer when you were telling the story about getting out, to be honest. It is after that, after hearing that story and, and walking us through your childhood, you know, I'm sure not even scratching the surface of the abuses that you experienced. It is so good to, to hear you talk the way that you're talking now. And and I feel like I just took my first breath, you know, when, when you started talking about life on your own now. So, you know, it's, it's amazing to hear that you are going to therapy, that you are, you know, still, still, you know, healing and working on that all the time because the experiences you want, went through are absolutely unimaginable, you know, for majority of people. Um, and that's, you know, I think just a testament to, to your strength to just now have this desire to find yourself, to be a person, to just integrate into the real world and, and find your own interests. That's great. Yeah, definitely. There's, um, a lot of uh a lot still to learn and explore for sure like i've just only started recently learning how to cook and i still meanwhile i'm still behind on figuring out what to do about high school or Mm -hmm. doing leg surgery and stuff i also just wanted to say that i think you know just to kind of piggyback off of what greg was saying like just hearing about you know the amount of you know abuse and different kinds like mentally physically like all those things especially when this is the only person that you know um it could be a very difficult thing to sort of break away from that and like start over like there's people out there that live seemingly normal lives and they're in situations that are a lot easier than this and they feel like they can't break away from that so i just wanted to say that you know i'm i'm honored you come on the show and like talk about it and also i think it's you know, incredible that you were able to do something like that. Like that shouldn't be, you know, undermined in in any way because that is an extremely difficult thing to do given the circumstances and you were able to do that. And I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Do you, I don't know, I don't have stats on this, but you know, is this common, do you think, or, or fairly common, this type of manipulation that you know parents hold over children i know we mentioned the gypsy case you know earlier in the episode um i i also haven't looked too much into it myself like i know even i know about the gypsy case but i couldn't even watch anything too primarily on it just because it was too triggering and just hit way too close to home but from what I've learned, it, it's definitely something that is overlooked. There, there's it's it's sad world we live in because there's so many cases I've seen of great families that are getting pressured or investigated from CPS, where there's people who like me who just get a knock and a, a wave goodbye, basically. Yeah, well, yeah, and and you want to believe that abuse like that can't happen within a family, you know, within that family unit that's supposed to be the closest, that's supposed to protect one another. But obviously we know, you know, that that's not the case. But like you said, I'm sure it gets overlooked in so many instances. Absolutely. Well, we just, you know, again, wanted to thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, you know, I, I know it's probably not the easiest thing to speak about because it is very traumatic and you know we're very sorry that this happened to you 
but also very happy that, you know, you were able to overcome it. And it's going to be like a process, obviously. Um, but it sounds like you're very capable and it sounds like you're in a, in a good place. And, you know, we're, you know, happy to, to keep in touch also, if you, if you want, um, just kind of keep us updated on what's going on, but yeah, thank you so much. And thank you. I, I definitely really appreciate coming on here, especially because it, it's, well, it's something I'm still learning to cope with and deal with. It's also a passion of mine to get it out there for people that they can leave and they can grow and get away from these people no matter how hard it feels and no matter how much you think you love this person or they say they love you that you definitely can fight for yourself and care for yourself first especially with how non-published the good stories are the news is so centered on the wacky or serial uh sorry abusive stories of people that end in murder or crazy outcomes. They never publish about the positive and the good ones. And I think those are the stories that need the most light. So the most people can get the most hope that they can get. Absolutely. And yeah, I think you coming on does just that, you know, to put at least a positive voice out there into the void and, um, you know, just being so, vulnerable you know thank you so much that's just one of the hardest things to do in the world so thank you thank you all right well oh go ahead oh sorry yeah i was just gonna say um yeah no i'm definitely someone who for many many years thought getting out was impossible and it took a lot of work to get out but i did so i'm just definitely glad that i can be a voice for the people that want to get out and know that they can yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I will take this time to say, too, and, you know, maybe it breaks down the fourth wall a little bit, but we get a lot of people that reach out to us, uh, you know, to, to potentially be on the show. We get a lot of emails. We're working through them all. But there are just so many subject lines and, and so many cases of abuse, whether it's through family members in a relationship. Uh, and it, it is painful to see the frequency of, you know, those emails. And like you said, just the stories in the media, the stories that we hear that don't typically end well. And, you know, that is just, a, that's the sad reality that so many of these stories are out there. So I really, really do think, you know, you will be a beacon of hope for a lot of people and a lot of listeners, you know, of this show also. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. And thank you to you, Joe, as well. Just wanted to add, your videos were definitely some of my go-tos in my hardest of times, and they gave me laughs that I really needed. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks. Have a good one. Thank you. Before we get to our final thoughts today, we want to tell you about Stamps.com. Stamps.com brings all the mailing and shipping services that you need right to your computer in the comfort of your home or office. Whether you're a small business, an online seller, or just working from home and need to mail stuff, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Personally, I have a business. It's a growing phone service company called Wing. And stamps.com has been with us from the start. So from when we were sending out just a few packages a day to 
present day where we're sending out literally hundreds of packages every single day. And stamps.com has on-demand postage printing that has made it possible for us to scale quickly and save a ton of money along the way. Not to mention all the time we save by avoiding crowded post offices. And right now our listeners get a special offer that includes a four week trial plus free postage and a digital scale with no long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in OPL. That's stamps.com and enter OPL to save time and money with stamps.com. That was one of the most raw and emotional conversations we've had, I think, uh, but easily, you know, I, I thank her for that. And I, I really thank her for not holding back and for being vulnerable and honest. And I think just to put her pain on display, I, I mean, she's talking through tears for most of that story, uh, which shows, you know, how, how open that wound still is. And I just think in general and in, in a general sense, it's, imp- it's just an important reminder to know that others are going through similar painful experiences, that they're feeling pain, that they're hurting. And I think it's more important to know that people have found a way out of those scenarios. And, you know, that's to her point of the stories we see, like we don't get enough hopeful stories. And her story it sucks obviously what she went through but that is a hopeful story and and she is in a hopeful position now and the power of that is just you know it's it's greater than we could even describe for people to hear and it translates to so many different situations whether it's abuse uh anxiety depression anything that people are dealing with just to hear the hopeful side of, of her story is so crucial. And yeah, I just really, really thank her for being so vulnerable and open with us. It's, it's insanely powerful. Yeah. And it's also just insanely impressive, you know, what she did. I mean, like I said, I mean, people are in situations that seem much easier. Like you're at a job you don't really like, and it's not that it's like, you know, you're not being abused at your job. You just don't enjoy it and it's not fulfilling you and you just, you don't leave and this and that. But like, think about the situation that she's in where this is one of the worst things that a person can go through, especially as a child in your formidable years to be sort of sheltered away from the world and kept basically as a prisoner by your own mother and the amount of confusion you have it was heartbreaking to hear that she struggled with it for so long because she's like i didn't want to get her in trouble she's the only person i know mm-hmm. you know and and it, that sort of confusion and that sort of manipulation is just terrible like it's one of the worst things that you can do to a person and to have the strength and the you know wherewithal to get yourself out of that situation it's like not an easy thing like people do not do that you no. know like it's a very tough thing so I'm, I'm happy for her i'm glad that she's out and she's pretty you know removed from this situation and you know i'm very thankful that she would come on and, and speak on our show especially you know as she said at the end there just trying to spread you know education and light in the situation where it's like, you know, if you're in a situation like this, you can get out like I did it. And, you know, it's always great when, you know, the people we talk to on the show can, you know, 
act as a beacon of hope for mm. listeners you know so i you know yeah just, uh, no, just wild. Ab- absolutely and it's just you know i i know i know you're the same as me we're mama's boys and you know i don't say that to be funny but you know we are programmed to be nurtured by our mothers we come out of our mother's bodies you know we are we survive in their bodies and you know when when i have hard times i lean on my mom you know i i lean on my family and that is what's you know hard to digest being lucky enough and blessed to have a positive family dynamic and and support from my family i lean on that so heavily and without that i don't know i would be a mess i don't know what i would have and you know in her situation for for that thing that if it if it functions properly is supposed to be your support system is supposed to be your love and nurturing to then not even to not have that but for that to be where your pain is being derived from abuse you know the complete opposite is so unimaginable but yeah. like you said you know for for her to get out i, I truly i want to like stand on my chair and and start cheering uh, yeah. because it's just an immense amount of strength to to do that but yeah really really thankful to um yeah, to, dude, to be I need able to, to hear that i need to take a walk right now i that was <laughs> full disclosure too- by the way it's 11 a.m uh <laughs> so it's set in, yeah. it's set in the course is, of the whole day we're recording earlier than we usually do so yeah so um yeah i hope i hope that she does you know keep in touch because you know i'd love to stay in touch with her and and you know just kind of you know i don't know i just for whatever reason i just feel this like connection with this girl and i just like really hope that she's doing okay and you know i'm i don't even know who she is but i'm very proud of her you know what i mean yeah um no 100 percent. and like uh, you know i don't know how much this means but she's part of our family now and yeah like i mean that and and just the the opl community and and the fans and the listeners i mean she yeah i want to keep in touch as well yeah um all right cool um for anyone uh out there that has a story or anything they'd like to share that they think would work for the show um don't hesitate to reach out to us go to oplshow.com send us an email we go through all of them and if we think that it makes for a good episode we'll definitely reach out and schedule something out with you yes check us out on instagram at opl podcast post clips and a bunch of good stuff and patreon.com slash opl show uh, help support the show get a bunch of bonus episodes join our discord chat speaking of the opl family uh, where all the patrons are in there we get some previous guests in so you can chat with them ask them questions really great community uh, that we got going on there so thank you so much guys yep that is all see you guys next time Bye.